Brooklyn's Radio believes your health matters. In the studio with me today, I've got Deborah Crow, who, amongst lots of other things, is a published author. Good afternoon, Deborah. Hello, Jill. Thanks very much for having me here. Ah, it's a pleasure to have you here. I'd love to know more about your background and exactly how you sort of got to where you are today. Okay, well, as we've only got 10 minutes, I'll just give you the rapid version. Um, so I started out as a teacher and then a teacher trainer. Uh, and it was always overseas. And then I moved into development um, and worked in different parts of the world, actually for about 35 years. Our listeners can't see me, although I look, sound like I'm about 400. Of course, I'm not really. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been knocking around for a few years. And for the last 11 years, I've been fortunate enough to live in Tanzania, which is in East Africa. And um, I moved out of development um, when I decided that I wanted to run a primary school, go back to my teaching roots. Um, and I'm sure people are thinking, mm-hmm, and how does this get us onto the menopause? Well, the reason it was, uh, I moved into even writing, thinking, researching about uh, the menopause was when I had a series of nights thinking that I had Alzheimer's mm. and heart disease um, in my late 40s, really. And um, I took ages to go to the doctor because I thought, that's it, I don't want to hear if I'm going to die, obviously. Mm. Put your head in the sand as uh, it's quite a good strategy when I eventually did get to the doctor um, I was told not worry don't worry it's just perimenopause I'd never even heard of the peri bit I'd heard of the m word but not the peri bit and when I asked how long it would last I thought okay it's about two weeks and I can have some antibiotics (laughs) but no six to ten years Mm. it was quite a shock and I think that first I was stunned by my own ignorance and thought, well, it must only be me. But then mm. I found out it wasn't just me. It's many, 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 many women who are in the same situation. So I suppose as I've always done a lot of advocacy and campaigning work, um, I moved into this rather closer to home advocacy and campaigning work to actually raise awareness of women of my own age, younger and older, so that we can sort of realise our potential instead of feeling in poor health all the time. Yeah, yeah, and you're absolutely right. So many people really, really suffer. Mm. I, I do a lot of ladies networking and quite often there's ladies sitting there with fans. Yes, because yes. And what's, you go to the, the GP here and you'll be mm. offered HRT, which... Mm. Personally, I don't want to take. No. It's something that, uh, I, well, I just know of things that have happened to people when they have started taking it. So interesting, interesting. So tell us more about how you then wrote your first book, The Darling Menopause. Right. Well, I mean, actually, I started, that was interesting. I started off actually having done some research. And I, I think you, I mean, you mentioned something very important, which is the HRT. I mean, the two strategies that the medical profession tend to have for women over 40 because I think we're very much underserved by the medical profession um, are is HRT or antidepressants and sleeping tablets mm. and actually that's really not the way to go there is absolutely a place for all those sorts of medications but it really should be last resort mm. um, and so as I was doing more and more research what I was trying to do was in parallel write about my own sort of messy life you know forgetting to pick up my child mm. and uh, forgetting my list and all sorts of things that go with that perimenopause menopause phase and then actually research and give information to women at the same time and I I made it funny just because it's quite unpalatable actually Mm. Um, and that's really the only way to deal with it I think is is you know humor works but I think it needs to be seen in, in terms of two phases because and no, it's not a medical position uh, condition. That's one of the myths, really. Mm. 
you know, doctors can't fix the menopause. It's not a medical condition. It doesn't start when you're 50. There's not only one symptom, which is hot flushes. Actually, it's between 35 and 50. Don't mm. worry, everybody. <laughs> Some of them are really random as well. But the thing is that you need to be prepared and informed. But it starts at age 35, roughly when the progesterone and estrone in a woman's body starts lowering. And that's why. That's called the perimenopause phase. And that's where women, I think, are more vulnerable, actually, mm. because that's the phase when there's quite a lot of the mental health issues, mood swings, forgetfulness, which is really scary. You, yes. you know, Because you lose your confidence. You're at work. You've got kids. You're juggling. You're at the height of your sort of adult responsibilities and I've seen that a lot with women really really suffering because suddenly thinking well I can't do my job what's wrong with me and that's where this fear of Alzheimer's and things comes in well actually it's your hormones that's what it is and if you knew at least that would be a bit more of a comfort than thinking you're going crazy actually which is awful which is awful and I know um, my sister and she won't mind me saying this (laughs) she went through the really really bad uh, memory stage yes really bad yes so did I it's and, awful yeah and she mm. was quite worried about it mm. Mm. Yeah. absolutely absolutely and so the tablets don't help with that and that's that's the main thing so after I'd written the book I found that a lot of women were uh, asking me lots of questions and uh, being a teacher I like running workshops Um, So I set up a series of workshops because based on the research, what I found was that actually there is a lot of information out there, but um, it's overwhelming Mm. and it's do this, do that. And you don't know what to do first. And do you have to wear a blue shirt on a Wednesday in order to do this bit and that bit? Mm. Uh, It's 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 just it's too much information and it's not in a palatable form. A lot of it's very medical. It's quite unappealing, to be honest. Mm. Confusing, I think. And And very. And you read Mm. one website and it'll say one thing and then another website might contradict that. Exactly. Exactly. And and so from running the workshops, what I actually ended up doing is I've sequenced what bit you do first. So I found a series of websites, not too many, just, you know, two or three very good ones. Um, And then what I did with the workshops is go through a sort of certain set of assessments and then, um, you know, techniques to address certain symptoms during the day because I mean that's our that's our unit of planning really our unit of operation isn't it Mm. so uh, to to take women through how you can you know better manage but I think the thing that I think is really important to think about is that the actual definition of the menopause when you're through the, the perimenopause phase is it's the end of your periods for a year and then until you die. Yes. (laughs) And I think that is a biggie because actually that's why it's not a medical condition. This is a massive phase of life. It's three, uh, 35 years. I mean, if the average age of menopause is 51 and we've got average life expectancy, say the UK and other parts of Europe as as 85, we've Mm. got a job to do. We've got to be in good health and um, we've got to sort out our planet because that is the job of post-menopausal women. It really is. So I think some of the things to do actually is obviously the be informed. I mean, if you think about it, pregnancy and periods, people have information about that, but we have nothing about perimenopause Mm. that's out there and non-stigmatized. The other thing, actually, the hot tip that I'd give, I mean, I know I said three, I like to sneak four in just, Mm -hmm. just because it's nice to do four tips, but not to be overwhelming. The second thing I'd actually recommend, which again, which is sort of from the formula that I worked out, you know, testing and piloting it on myself and then others, is to actually learn to meditate. Yes. And 
people go, oh, but what about food? What about exercise? Yes, but if you are stressed and your body's flooded with cortisol, which is a stress hormone, stress hormone actually stops the production of estrogen, progesterone, and your happy hormones. So you're going to make better decisions and be calmer to manage your, the stress in your life better if you actually really take seriously the relaxation because then it cascades. And that's the thing about sequencing. Do that first. Yeah then make a plan. I mean, lots of women of our age, you know, there's no plan. And, yeah. and without a sense of purpose, we flounder. I mean, we're here on this planet to have a sense of purpose. And I think with a plan, with a sense of purpose and vision for our lives, we can really do great things. Yeah. And, and I think never more has our world needed us as yes. women to really get out there. So I think that's really important. And yes, of course, you've got to ditch the sugar and you've got to get onto the exercise. You find a menopause specialist. But a lot of women are not aware of this, but actually if you don't manage your stress, your stress causes you to crave fats and starches and, and, and unhealthy foods. So there's no point having a good diet because at three o'clock you're going to crash and burn and reach for the chocolate anyway because yeah. if you're stressed. Yeah. So that's why I think managing stress is actually really, really, you know, you have to start with a number one and that that would be the one I would, I would go for first. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think meditation... I almost feel like everybody should. It should Absolutely. be compulsory. It should be. And at school. You started and at school. Schools. Well, my son started at his school. Oh, at that's a, a really old-fashioned boys' school. Really? That's and he, brilliant. they got only once a week, but it was a start, and yeah. it got him into yeah, doing a bit more meditation. Definitely. So, no, you're absolutely right. In fact, I was mm. saying that to a group of ladies this morning really? to, no, to start wonderful. meditating. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so that's one of your tips. Do you want to... Um, maybe share a little bit because I, I can see we're running out of time but tell mm. us a little bit more about your campaign and how women can get involved well I think there's, there's there's a couple of things I mean some people are just desperate for info so I mean I can send out you know, you know people can reach out to me or reach out to you and I can send you know the right sites to look at to, to be properly informed and to get you know proper menopause support another thing to do you, you know if people want if women want more information is that I do public speaking like you do workshops. Uh, I've got an online course if, 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 if women want some guidance on that, sort of how to adjust and nudge your day to, 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 for success, really. Mm. But the campaign, I think, is really interesting here because we all care about the NHS. And I think women over 40 can care even and really do a great job for the NHS actually by not using it. Yeah. Um, because, you know, three-minute appointments with a doctor who's going to hand out tablets and they're not really they're usually poorly informed about mm. anything to do with the menopause. The guidelines for menopause only came out in November 2016. It takes 10 years usually for it to get down, mm. you know, new guidance to get to GP level. So I think women should set up health centers in their living rooms with groups of friends and invite menopause specialists or a meditation teacher or motivate each other to to do more exercise to get a nutritionist in make those sorts of changes that's how i think we can help the nhs and that's how i think we can get healthy in order to fulfill our potential you, you know in our communities and in, in in our homes with our families and everything because you don't get healthy just to be healthy. You get healthy so that you can do something yes. and achieve something for, you know, everybody around you. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Deborah, can you quickly give us um, ways that people can get hold of you, please? Yes, uh, my website's uh, with an e, uh, dot com, and my email address is Deborah, which is D-E-B-O-R-A-H at 
deborahjcrow.com. Um, and I think you've also put the link onto your onto the notes for for, for the radio. We have, you, and we'll, we'll yeah. put them as again on the when the podcast yeah, is posted. That's brilliant. So thanks so much, Jill. It's Thank been great you. Great to have this chance to chat. It's thanks great to have you here because, uh, as I say, it's such an important subject for women to know about. Lovely. Thanks Thank you, again. Deborah. Bye. Okay, bye. Brooklyn's Radio believes your health matters. If you've enjoyed this podcast, why not keep up to date with the sound of Surrey by listening live at brooklandsradio.co.uk or through our free mobile app.